Welcome to the Socialette Podcast, where we empower you with the marketing know-how you need to create the business of your dreams. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a marketing nerd, Shiraz lover, and passport stamp collector. Join me as I dive into all things small business marketing and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free lessons every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's get learning. Welcome back to Socialette. This is episode 201. Today's episode, I've got a very special guest with me, Danielle Reed. Danielle is a copywriter with a background in psychology and creative writing, and she's here to share all things brand voice. We're talking about what brand voice is, why it's so important that every brand has a unique voice, as well as how to DIY your brand voice. As the founder of Reed City Writing, Danielle specializes in writing compelling words for killer creatives. So she knows a thing or two about how to write copy and how to keep a brand voice that resonates. She's worked with brands like Uber, Surfing Australia, and The Urban List. She's the co-host on the Startups and Downs podcast, and she's soon to release a video course, Blogging Palooza, teaching business owners how to SEO optimize their own blog content. Without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Danielle, welcome to Socialette. Thank you so much, Steph. Thanks for having me. So, Danielle, for our listeners who don't know who you are or what you do, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and about your business? Sure. So, I'm the founder of Read City Writing, which is a copywriting studio specializing in working with creatives to give them a brand voice and help them to feel more confident in writing for their own brands, basically. So, the big, a bigger part of what I do is create brand voice guides um, and then also things like strategizing website copy and promotional products. That's cool. I yeah. love it. So, <laughs> when, when did you launch? Um, about three or so years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I used to, you're, yeah. you're not new to the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but still, I think the more you learn, the more time you spend in your industry, the more you know that there's so much more to learn as well, which is exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what made you start Read City? Um, so I always really loved writing. I was that weird girl at school who did like four English classes before school and after school and self-paced English <laughs> Um, and I always really wanted to be a writer, but I sort of thought, oh, you know, probably not the most stable career path. Yeah. So I studied psychology and did that degree. And then afterwards, I worked with people with acquired brain injuries as an acquired brain injury specialist, which was really challenging and cool and different. Um, but I just didn't really want to do it for the rest of my life. So I decided yeah. that I'd... Um, quit and become a full-time Uber driver. Um, <laughs> which, really? Yeah, that didn't go to plan. <laughs> and so after, what was that like? Oh, it was fun. Like, of course, you get to meet great people. And <laughs> um, But every – so I'd done my market research. I'd asked every Uber driver, like, how do you like it? Like, is it great? And they're like, we love yeah. it. It's like my favourite thing in the world. And um, so, yeah, I was like, I'll do that. And then I was like, hang on a second. No, Danielle, wait a sec. Like, what do you actually want to do? <laughs> yeah. So, and I can imagine like going from using your brain every day to 
being more like social but not having to really think about it that's quite like that's a big change yeah it was a big change of pace and um definitely you know I'm not the sort of person who wants to just drive all day so I don't know why I thought I was going to enjoy that Um, but yeah, so then I sort of thought I had nothing to lose at the time. I didn't have a mortgage or kids or anything like that. And I thought if there was anything that I could do in that point in my life, it would be whatever I wanted. So I decided to give it a shot and, um, start my own business and it worked out. So that was lucky. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess like being an Uber driver on the side while you're starting a business is kind of like the perfect side hustle because when, in the weeks when you're making more money in your business, you drive less. Yeah, well, it would be nice if it worked that way, <laughs> but for oh, me, doesn't? well, when you're an Uber driver, you have to be registered for GST. And when I was starting my business, I was like, I don't really want to be registered for GST, so I just oh. stopped doing that. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's yeah. very fair. <laughs> so, okay, so what really is copywriting? Because I know there is a lot of like. There, there are a lot of myths about what it is and what it isn't. So to you, like, how do you define copywriting? So I personally define copywriting as the use of words to make people take action, which I think is quite mm-hmm. across the board what people do. But within copywriting, there's kind of different segments. So you've got sort of sales focused copywriting, which are more, you know, using um, consumer behaviors to predict what sort of behaviors people will take based on yeah. the language that you use. Um, and then mainly focused on getting people to take action straight away. Then I feel that brand copywriters kind of come into a different different stage. So that's more when startups are happening or when businesses are trying to, I guess, define where they sit in the market with things like yeah. developing their voice, but also, um, you know, building those connections with their audience through establishing a brand that's different. Um, and then the final one that I kind of see is content copywriters, where it's more like promoting brands and letting, you know, the customers know that they have value to add and, using words in a way that build connection. So across all different copywriters, I think the main action is, uh, the main theme is to get people to take action, but it's more using words in different ways, depending on where they are when they interact with your brand. I love that. So why do you think that copy is so important for business owners? Oh, I could go on about this forever. (laughs) Where to begin? (laughs) Yeah. I think copy is so important because, I mean, obviously we're living in a digital age where people are online most of the time. So when you're discovering brands, it's important that you're able to connect with them in a way that you feel that you're being understood and that, you know, a brand actually gets what you're going through. So having a touch points, you know, consistent touch points with a brand is obviously great and important for the purchasing process. But (laughs) I think that copywriting is so important because it's actually a medium where you can make people feel something where otherwise a lot of it is just, you don't feel anything. And yeah, when you can actually noise, exactly, that's it. And so if you're able to really connect with someone and make them feel something in this like huge sea of dull chatter of boring words, then I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I love that. And in your opinion, do you think that good copy can be DIY'd? Oh, 100%. It's definitely something that businesses can do themselves. Um, There's definitely different vehicles of language that you can sort of learn. And once you've got sort of the general structure, I know a lot of startups 
are DIYing their copy. The part where people kind of miss the mark is when they just sort of think it's just words because it's not just words. (laughs) There's a lot that kind of goes into creating great words and the more you get to know about how the process really affects how the end result of your words is kind of out there, then it makes everything a little bit more purposeful, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so you mentioned a little bit um, a little bit earlier when you were talking about the different types of copywriting. You did mention this one thing, brand voice, and I know that's something that you're quite passionate about. So, I mean, what does it actually mean? What's this concept of brand voice mean when somebody talks about it? Sure. So, brand voice is basically the consistent voice that a brand uses no matter where they are. Um, brand voice is really important because 78% of consumers value more custom content over generic content. So, this means if you're able to actually create content that's customized to your audience and also doesn't sound like everyone else, you're like one step ahead of the game. Um, Also a huge 90% of consumers expect a seamless brand experience from social media to your website, email marketing and beyond. So basically, I mean, if we're in different moods, I know myself, if I'm in a like kooky, crazy mood and I'm on social media and I'm like, oh, well, yeah. Um, (laughs) And then I go to write like an email to my audience and it's completely different because I'm like, maybe it's like I have not slept that night and I'm yeah. I'm just thinking a bit differently and the voice is completely different. People are just kind of like, um, hang on, what's happening here? Why do these sound different? So mm. brand voice is really finding those key elements of your brand that are consistently you based on things like your values and mission. And I'm sure we'll get into that side of thing. Um, yeah, definitely. But to differentiate yourself from others in your industry, but to always be expected, like have language and a voice that is expected like if you were to go on red bull's website one day and all of a sudden it was like you should drink this energy drink like (laughs) it just wouldn't make sense yeah so yeah yeah. that makes sense i get that Mm, so i think what's at stake then what's at stake sorry for a brand if they don't have a consistent brand voice if they don't have a consistent brand voice it's so much easier to blend into the background and to not actually stand out for anything in particular and to kind of not be known in your industry I think people like go to skincare are a great example of how brand voice can help to shape how a brand can differentiate themselves in an industry obviously they're in a really saturated industry of skincare it's been around forever But all of a sudden, they come in and they use a different brand voice to what everyone else is doing. And suddenly, everyone kind of sits up and is is like, oh, cool. Like, I love, like, the skincare is kind of the bonus after interacting with the brand. Yeah, and I guess the people who resonate with that brand voice are going to be the people who are their ideal customers and not everyone's going to resonate with it but the right people will so yeah I love that yeah I think it comes back to the if you talk to everyone you talk to no one kind of situation and once you've got that key brand voice you know exactly who you're talking to and the people who you are talking to know that you're talking to them yeah exactly so is defining your brand voice then something that can be DIY'd Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I think there's, I've stepped out a couple of key steps, which I think your listeners will hopefully be able to follow along with, which will make it (laughs) easier. That was going to be my next question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah. So I guess um, I've broken it down into four different steps. 
Yeah, let's start from the top. All right, let's go. Um, So first of all, of course, you need to know what your business mission is or the overarching purpose of your business, um, Mm. because this is going to guide, obviously, what you want to communicate. And without that business mission, you could just, you know, say, I want to sound really fun. But it's sort of like, why? Why do you want that? Um. Yeah. And that's like, that's something, your mission is something that is important to more than just like your brand voice. It's such an important part of your brand. A hundred percent. And I think that it kind of radiates through everything, but especially when you are thinking about developing your brand voice, yeah, knowing kind of where you want to be headed um, so that your language can kind of set you either in that realm of your industry or towards something bigger than where you are now. Um, The second step I think is really important is to really define your values. And I know that it's like a boring thing to say, but it's so important. Um. (laughs) And values don't need to be that boring either. Like they can be fun values. You can make them interesting. (laughs) Yes, that's it. And I think as well, sometimes we feel like we need to say our values are like customer service, like, or like customer focused, but it's sort of like everyone just expects that now. Um, Mm. So some things with my clients that I like to do when we're covering their values, because a lot of people have established brands and they're not sure of their values yet. Um, So something that we talk about is like in a hundred years, would your brand still have this value? And if not, then maybe that's like not the right value to have. Um, Or if you were forced to run your business without this value, would you truly be what your brand is. Um, Yeah. mm. And I guess also like, do you truly believe in this value or are you just putting it there because you think you need to have it there? Totally. That's it. And that's the thing. Like value should be lived and breathed through your business. If you've got a team, everyone on your team should know your values because it should really Mm. kind of transcend through all of your communication, but also all that you do as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So once you've defined your values, then what's the next step? Um, I think once you've kind of, yeah, done this core brand work in the beginning, it's really to define your personality of your brand. Um, Because once we can see our brands as separate to ourselves, then it's much easier to sort of think about what they would do and how they would act. Um, Mm. So something that I like to do with my clients, again, is to picture your brand at a dinner party and think about who would your brand be? Would you be... um, hosting the dinner party like I feel like Airbnb for instance would be the host like making sure that everyone feels comfortable and is sort of like checking up on you but like not in your face um or would you sort of be you know like just sitting looking around and like pouring drinks and trying to avoid conversations maybe or perhaps you're sort of like enthralling the table in a story and kind of got everyone at the end edge of their seats and they've sort of forgotten about the food because they're just like (laughs) so into your story I imagine that would be someone like Nike perhaps um yeah so thinking about yourself in that situation but then thinking about your brand um once everyone's gone home after the dinner party's ended and they're kind of recapping the night to their partners how would other people describe your brand um and uh, it's like that quote your brand's what people say about you when you're not in the room it totally is yes <laughs> <laughs> 100% because then i think we get to a really important part of when you're developing a brand voice is how you make people feel. So if you can kind of Mm. take your brand through that sort of process, um, a lot of the things that people would probably say about you is how your brand made them feel. 
And does your brand have to be aligned with who you are as a person or can it be completely different? Like say you're really like shy and timid, but your brand's really like bold and loud. Is that okay? Or is that going to be like quite tough for somebody to keep up? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's different. So say you're like a solo business owner, like for instance. Like me. Yeah, like you. (laughs) So your brand will probably be quite uh, closely tied with who you are as a person because people are essentially um, making purchases or or engaging with your brand based on who you are. Um, But that's not to say that you can't still do this brand work because you can kind of think of yourself in those rooms and we, of course, yeah. have different versions of ourselves as well. So who do we want to turn up as in our brand? <laughs> <laughs> do I want to be caffeinated, Steph? Do I want to be Steph after a few wines? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Depends where you are. <laughs> okay, cool. So once you've done that, then what's the next step? Because I think we're up to step four now, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, so the final step, which would be to create your voice. So these these earlier steps really all add up to creating that voice because your voice really stems from personality and then it's governed by linguistics. So for instance, let's say that a value of yours is fun. Um, yeah. That's one of mine. So through all of my uh, communication with my clients, even like with their gifts, like everything, their experience should be fun. Um, yeah. But then you have to think about your dinner party self. So, yes, you'd be kind of like <laughs> a little couple of snappy jokes here and there. But then when you bring it down to voice, it's like, okay, how do we communicate that fun voice? So within your language, you might be using, you know, more playful language, more conversational mm-hmm. language. Um, joking around or making up words to show that fun side of you. Um, Another brand value example would be something like creativity. So if you're a highly creative brand or you value creativity, using language like metaphors or longer flowier sentences that feel a little bit more creative Mm. or even things like disruptive punctuation like dashes, which can kind of break things up and make it feel like not so predictable. It's sort of a little bit all over the place. Um, So, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, your voice really comes down to Uh, your vocabulary. So the words that you choose, these are really important. And having your core words that you use across platforms is going to really help. It's an easy way of creating a more consistent brand voice um, by having those go-tos, but also having words that you absolutely will never use, um, which is also really powerful because then you kind of more solidified on the words that you will use, obviously. Um, And then obviously the cadence too. So you can create a more energetic voice with shorter sentences or you can create a more relaxed voice with longer sentences that kind of flow. So there's an absolute science to it by the sounds of it. 100%, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And like with, with today's landscape, obviously, because we're on social media so much, do you then include emojis in like the words that you use and the words that you wouldn't use? Would you say like we definitely would never use this emoji, we would use these Yes. Is that how it works? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, I think that there should definitely be um, different elements of your brand which should, yeah, align with you. In my voice guides, um, we have a page dedicated to emojis (laughs) that we do and don't use. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what are some of the big mistakes that you see people making when they take that DIY approach? 
I'm sure you've seen a few. Yeah. So I <laughs> I feel like um, a big mistake is that people jump straight to the voice and they don't do the previous steps and they don't think about what they actually want to represent. Um, mm. And they sort of, like, I find if, if people are coming to me as well, they'll sort of be like, oh, I love Frank Body, like so playful, like so fun. I love it. Like, okay. but Make me sound like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of like, but why do you love it? And what is it about them that you love? And what do you want your customers to feel like? And what do you want to be known for? Because if you're just, woo, like having a party all of the time and your customers don't connect with that, then it's kind of a waste of your time. But also... I think another thing that people do, which um, is a mistake, is to create something that's so far away from who they are that they feel like it's really hard work every time they write because it actually doesn't resonate with who they are. Yeah, that I I can kind of get that because like I've written as other brand voices before and it's really tough when it's not like it doesn't flow naturally for you. That is tough. Mm. So Okay, so what are then, like, and this is probably one of them, what we've just mentioned, but what are some of the other warning signs that your brand voice isn't right, that it needs a bit of a tweak? Um, I think if people are really surprised when they meet you in real life and you're nothing like your brand, (laughs) um, that's a pretty big warning sign. (laughs) I mean, obviously, we can create brands which are separate to ourselves as humans, but I think when we have such, you know, so many touch points like Instagram and things like that. If you're completely different, if your brand, for instance, like grungy, um, gritty floor and you turn up to a party and you're like, oh, in like it's some sort of like fancy, like completely not your style dress with like a fascinator on. Yeah, that's not going to make sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a good sign that you're on the wrong path. I think also if it just doesn't feel right. Um, Mm. for me, when I first started my business, I was writing in a voice that I thought I was supposed to have. And I thought I was supposed to be really like professional and to the point and, you know, using all of this sort of just filler words that don't really say anything because they put you then in a particular frame, uh, in a particular place in someone else's mind. Um, and for me, that was kind of talking, um, to a more corporate audience as in a more corporate voice. Yeah. Because I just thought regards, that, Danielle. Totally. <laughs> like, honestly, I think that was my email signature. Um, and I think we all kind of go on brand journeys, but part of mine has definitely been creating a more authentic voice for my brand that connects with my ideal people but also feels right for me. Yeah. So if your brand voice does need tweaking or maybe it needs, like, a massive radical shift, what's the best way that someone can go about it? Yeah, sure. So you can come to me. (laughs) Um, But I think definitely like look over all of your copy that you've got. Look for the consistencies because those consistencies are probably the parts that you believe in most um, and that feel right for you. Also think about, you know, obviously how you're making people feel through your language. I think that's a really important part because often we, you know, don't don't remember that people are reading this other than when we're writing yeah. our own copy, it's quite easy to get stuck in our own heads that we're reading it. But if you're thinking of a specific uh, ideal customer, that's going to make writing that so much easier, I think. Yeah. And then once you've changed or once you've tweaked your brand voice, do you communicate to your audience that you're changing it or do you just show up and start speaking differently? 
I think that it should definitely be like, I guess, an entire shift. You should let them know if you are going to be changing because if you're changing your your business voice, I'm sure it's not the only thing that's going to be changing because your voice and your visuals and kind of how you even market yourself or what it is that you're offering is going to be very, very different. Let's say you're like a yoga studio um, who's been talking like really upbeat and woo, let's go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like that kind of feels a bit weird already because yoga kind of, you think yeah. about relaxing and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but then if they're talking in an upbeat voice, you kind of imagine like sort of bright colors and like kind of funky font, yeah. like all of that. And so if you're then like very bold, yeah, totally. But then if you sort of think, Oh, I'm a yoga studio, my people come to escape and they come to wind down and I need to soften the noise a little bit, then you're probably going to have, you know, muted colors. You're going to have those long flowy sentences and that sort of thing. So it would kind of feel unnatural to sort of go from one voice that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another one that's like, whoa, guys, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to change the images accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. And actually just another unrelated question. What's your opinion on whether a brand should speak as I or we? I have so many opinions about this. <laughs> I actually I thought you might. I did a post about this recently um, because did you? Oh, yeah, it. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, so I think that definitely it comes down to the individual business owner, um, but also I think saying we and there being more than one of you that makes sense. I think as well, people have many people who help to build their brands. For instance, I was talking with another guest of yours, Emma from uh, Canvas Co. Yes. And she was sort of saying on this post, you know, it, I, yes, I'm a solo, solo business owner, but I've had so many people help create this diary that, you know, I do say we, because I feel like it's a team effort. Yeah. Um, and then just saying I, like at the moment I'm going from a transition of saying we to saying I, and it feels weird. I've downscaled my team. Um, and it just, it feels weird. Um, so it's definitely not something easy to do, but I think at the end of the day, whatever you do, but do one consistently, don't switch between the two or it's kind of awkward and yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I really struggled with that when I was, when I had a team and I was running Wild Bloom because a lot of the posts were like coming from the heart. So I was trying to write them as I, but then it was like, oh, I also have a team. So need to be mindful of that. So it was, there was a lot of switching mm. and I always felt really weird when I was switching, but now I'm like consistently sticking to I. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. And yeah. it's also hard because... Consistency. Totally. I think as well, like big claims and things that we can make as brand can feel like we're like oh tall poppy syndrome if we say I for instance I think this episode will come out after my rebrand but um my my new tagline is going to be we rock your words because I thought (gasps) if I say I rock your words it's like who is this girl she thinks she's so good um and you know there are other people behind the scenes working with me too but I think we rock your words and also we rock your world, which is where it's kind of coming from, um, kind of uh, still works. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of struggled with a similar thing when I was doing my current tagline and I'm th- toying with the idea of changing it as well. And it's I simplify marketing and it's like, oh, like I like we simplify marketing sounds a lot easier, but it's it, yeah, it feels I, weird. I think saying I, I even sound simpler, though, because it's like there's less fingers in the pie. Like I simplify marketing. That's a good point. I am a one point of contact. I am like a simple point of contact for you. Like I think I is perfect. 
Yeah, I like that. Okay, so once you've defined your brand tone of voice, how do you make sure that you stay consistent with it? Sure. So there are some different tools that you can use, um, which can help you as well. Uh, one is called analyzemywriting.com. It's analyze with a Z. Um, this is a really useful tool. Uh, Americans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a really useful tool to sort of see what sort of words you're using, what length sentences you're using, even how many syllables are in each mm. sentence. Because I think I said before, but um, cadence or the rhythm of your words is really important. Um, so you can kind of pop one one uh, piece of writing in there and then another one in a separate one and sort of see are they similar what are the words that are coming up often um, and that sort of thing it's also a really good tool because it measures things like the masculinity or femininity of writing um, interesting analyze my writing.com I'm gonna link to this in the show notes guys because that sounds so good. Yeah, Sorry, I think I'm it, writing that down. <laughs> it's very useful, um, and especially when you're. Um, it depends, I guess, who your target audience is. But say you are a skateboarding brand, uh, skateboarding mm. school, and you're like teaching kids how to skateboard, and you're like a fun brand who's really exciting and kind of adventurous and da da da. But at the end of the day, your ideal audience is a mum who wants to put their kid in a skateboarding school. So you actually want your voice to be a bit feminine so that it's more likely to be related to by a mum. So in that case, you can, you know, run your copy through that and see like, am I actually talking to mum? To a mum. And that's interesting. The feminine masculine voice really comes back to things like, Uh, females often use more feeling words whereas um, males often use more like direct words about a thing rather than a person or the way that it affects a person so instead of having to like know all of that you can just put it in this tool (laughs) brb off to paste all of my copy into this tool (laughs) (laughs) yes Um, yeah. yeah and then just one other question for you on brand voice do you think it's ever okay to deviate from your brand voice Um, I mean, obviously, so voice is very, is constant. Like, so this is governed by your Mm. values and your mission. So that's quite constant, but your tone can vary. Obviously on social media, you're going to have a different tone to like, let's say Instagram, you're going to have a different tone to LinkedIn. Um, On your website, you might have a different tone to like other promotional materials that you're doing at a specific event. So I think definitely your your voice stays consistent, but your tone can change depending on where you are. So I think that that's a big misconception that tone of voice is your voice, where tone is actually just an element of your voice that kind of changes and your voice is the consistency. I like that. Mm. Awesome. Okay. Well, Danielle, at the end of every episode, I have a couple of questions that I ask all of my guests. Mm -hmm. So the first question I ask is what advice would you give to your pre-business self? Ooh, I have the same advice for my pre-business and post-business self, (laughs) which is just stop being so hard on yourself. I think we're all, um, well, I know personally before I started my business, um, I was sort of already set up for failure because I was quite hard on myself. And still, even when you have huge successes or you, you know, you're working with brands who you could only ever dream of working with, you're still hard on yourself. And that's kind of just annoying. (laughs) 
I think it must be like an overachiever or a perfectionist thing because I feel like everyone I talk to does this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's really difficult. I actually did another post on social media which was about imposter syndrome and um, oh, yes. ways to combat imposter syndrome. And I did a few polls as well and 100% of people, I think there was something like 140 people said, yes, I suffer from imposter syndrome like and it's the people you don't imagine would either did anyone say no no one said no <laughs> i was gonna say you have like some sociopaths on your list <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think definitely yeah don't be so hard on yourself but at the same time i think in that moment i uh to quit a job and start something i didn't know i'm i kind of want to go back mm. and say as well good job like that's a pretty yeah. wild thing to do like i don't know if i'd do that now <laughs> And I think like also to a point, like being so hard on yourself does help you achieve those things. And like some of those things that you've achieved, you might not have achieved if you weren't so hard on yourself. So totally. I mean, yeah, you're exactly where you need to be. So that's, that's all that matters. <laughs> and the, ne- yeah. <laughs> the next question is what has been your biggest whoops moment? Oh, biggest whoops moment. I think when I started my business, I offered too many services because I thought that people needed all of the things and I thought that I needed to be the person to give them all of the things. Mm. Um, in the beginning, I was I started my business and I thought, I'm just going to write blogs for people. That'll be great. And then they said, oh, well, I, actually, I also need social media. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's do that too. And then actually, also, I need all of these things. And it sort of started stacking up that um, – I wasn't specializing in anything. I was helping Mm. them in different areas, but I felt like I wasn't known for anything and I felt like I wasn't like a true master of one thing um, or a couple of things. So I think the biggest whoops was trying to be everything. Um, And then now I'm trying to be just a couple of things. And you're going to be like the best at those couple of things. Yeah, I think that as well, it like makes it easier for your audience to find you if they know exactly what you do rather than like if you say, you know, I'm a copywriter and people don't know what sort of copy you do, then it's a bit tricky to know if you're the person for them. Yeah, I made that mistake as well. Mm. Still am making that mistake. Still figuring it out. (laughs) I think we're all still figuring it out. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, let me know if you ever figure it out. Yeah, sure. I'll I'll send you a text. I have this theory. (laughs) I have this theory that it's never figured out. Yeah, but oh, who is it? Marie Folio. Everything is figure out of a (laughs) bull. Yes, exactly. I don't know know if Uh, I believe that. I'm sure it is. <laughs> and then last question, last question for you is what has been your biggest growth moment? Oh, biggest growth moment. I honestly think I'm probably um, in it now. I think Ooh. that I'm sort of changing my direction of my business, um, which is exciting. I think that in the yeah. last year, I got a couple of negative feedbacks from a couple of clients who um, – I hadn't had that before and so that has kind of shown me the sorts of people I want to be working with and also Mm. how I can find those people. Um, Also, I spoke at a Surfing Australia conference, which was just really fun. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Awesome. Okay, so what's next then in the world of Danielle and Reed City? Yeah, there's a couple of things happening. Um, so, yeah, rebranding my business to be more, I guess, authentic exciting. to me, which is exciting. Um, I'm launching another podcast called Reed City Radio, um, which is also exciting. It's going to be all about copywriting and embracing your inner weirdo and a bit of marketing. When are you well. launching that? Um, look, it's a, it's a, um, <laughs> I have a few episodes in the bank, but of course I want, you know, quite a few more. So hopefully around mm. October, the end of October, November area. Oh, exciting. Cool. And then also I'm going to be launching, launching an online course all about how to SEO optimize your blogs. I love that. Yeah. So important as well. <laughs> so important. Yes. Oh, awesome. So, Danielle, where can our listeners find out more about you and Reed City? Sure. So, I'm at reedcitywriting.com and at Reed City, I'm always on Instagram. Um, you can find me there. Awesome. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me.